I was reading an article in the USA Today this past week about a Louisiana woman who decided for her holiday decorations that she would put up uh, big inflatable dragons that lit up in her front yard. One of her neighbors was absolutely outraged by this, was so outraged that on, on Christmas, she would put dragons in her front yard that she wrote a note to her neighbor in all capitals. And here it was. Neighbor, your dragon display is only marginal, marginally acceptable at Halloween. It is totally inappropriate at Christmas. It makes your neighbors wonder if you are involved in a demonic cult. Please consider removing the dragons. May God bless you and help you know the true meaning of Christmas. Now, this may be shocking, but this woman is not too far off from the true meaning of Christmas. And because that's because there's a story behind the story of Christ's birth. It's a story of battle. It's a story of the unseen that was happening behind what we typically read of Jesus' birth in Matthew 2 on Christmas Eve. It's a story maybe you've never heard before, but you're going to hear it tonight. Listen to this story out of Revelation 12, and you can follow along with me on the back of your order of worship. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon, with seven heads and 10 horns and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. The dragon here, which we learn in verse nine, is the devil, Satan. And what we read here is the story behind the story of Christ's birth. It's the story of the unseen. It's the story of what was going on when Jesus Christ was born in Matthew 2. In fact, in Matthew 2, it says that after Christ was born, wise men came to visit Jesus. And when they got to the area where Jesus was, they came to King Herod and they said to King Herod, where is this king of the Jews that's been born? And Herod said, go to Bethlehem. And when you find him, come back and tell me. So the wise men went. And on their way back, they were warned in a dream from God, said, don't go back to Herod. And when Herod found out he had been tricked, he was outraged. And so he ordered that all the male children, two years and younger in Bethlehem, would be killed. And Joseph was warned in a dream 
by God to take Mary and little baby Jesus to Egypt until Herod and the threat was gone. Now we read that story. What's the power behind that story? What's happening behind the scenes? When Herod is trying to devour every child in Bethlehem so that he could devour the Christ, it's what we just read in Revelation 12. That there's a great battle that is waging behind the scenes and it's behind all evil that we see in our world. All the evil that we're accustomed to, we see it on the news, we see it in our own lives, right? The shootings, war, genocide, the sin in our own lives, rejection, betrayal, hurt, pain, broken bodies, disease, death of loved ones, all the things, all the things in this world that aren't right. That's evil, that's sin, it doesn't belong. And we read that this is the story behind the story of Christ's birth. And you say, what's the answer? What is the answer to all the brokenness, all the sin, all the hurt, all the pain that we see in our world? Well, the devil knew the answer. And that's why he wanted to devour Jesus. Because Jesus Christ was and is the answer to all the hurt and all the brokenness and all the pain in our world. Jesus is the answer. And that's why the devil was ready to devour him. You see, the, the birth of Jesus Christ was the beginning of the end of evil. And the birth of Jesus Christ is the most significant event in the history of the world. It is the most significant event in the history of the world. All of history was culminating in that moment, both in the world and in the unseen world. Philip Yancey describes it this way. From God's viewpoint and Satan's, Christmas signal signals far more than the birth of a baby. It was an, an invasion, the decisive advance in the great struggle for the cosmos. So if the birth of Christ is that significant, you can't ignore it. And you can't ignore it because it involves you. This is a story that involves your life. Why is that? Because it's not just a story of battle, but it's a story of victory. It's a story of victory. Let me read on. In Revelation, you can follow along in verse seven. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent. Back to Genesis 3 who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. What does it mean that the devil was thrown down? Well, prior to Christ's birth, the devil had access to God. He could be in God's presence and accuse God's people in God's presence. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it with Job where God and God, where the Satan in God's presence accuses Job. Right? Verse 10, that's what it describes. He's the accuser of the brethren, accusing over and over of your sin, your rebellion, your unworthiness before God. 
That's the story of the devil as the accuser before Christ's birth in God's presence, accusing you. This one's not worthy. This one's sinful. This one's rebelled against you. And yet we see that with the birth of Christ, Satan was thrown down. Out of God's presence, unable to ever accuse, ever to accuse you in God's presence ever again, ever to accuse God's people. And instead of an accuser, with the birth of Christ and the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ, you now get one who intercedes for you. Not an accuser, but one who intercedes for you. Romans 8 says it this way, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. You see, the reason that the prior to Christ's birth, that the devil could accuse in the presence of God is because sin hadn't been dealt with. Your sin hadn't been dealt with. But by the birth of Christ, life, death, and resurrection, now sin has been dealt with, and now instead of an accuser in God's presence, you have Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father, advocating for you, interceding, pleading your case to the Father, saying, Father, I've covered that sin. Father, I've paid for that sin. Every time you sin, his intercession, Jesus Christ's intercession for you is constant. You know why it's constant? Because you and I sin constantly. In thought, in word, in deed. And now, Jesus isn't accusing you. He's at the right hand of the Father saying, I paid for that, I paid for that, I covered that, I covered that. He's your advocate to the Father. And then the Father gives you an incredible gift, the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is the one that's pleading your case to the Father, the Holy Spirit is the one that is pleading the Father's case to you. Jesus is pleading your case to the Father and the Holy Spirit is pleading the Father's case to you. The Father loves you. Romans 8. The Holy Spirit testifies with your spirit that you're a child of God, that you're loved, that you're a member of God's family. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart, pleading the Father's case before you. So there's no more accusation. There's no more condemnation. It's amazing news. You're forgiven. Your sin has been dealt with. Your sin has been removed. Back in 2003, as the Iraq war raged on, Iraq's minister of information refused to acknowledge defeat. And so I'll give you a couple of quotes and what was going on when he made these quotes. When the coalition forces, uh, they seized Baghdad's Saddam airport, changed it to Baghdad International Airport, and they were flying in and out of the airport. Okay, Miami Herald quoted this minister of information saying this, we butchered the force present at the airport. Later, when, when troops penetrated central Baghdad, stormed Saddam's palace, the Washington Post quoted him saying this, There is no real presence. There's no presence of the American columns in the city of Baghdad at all. We besieged them and we killed most of them. It almost became comical. His his inability to acknowledge defeat. In the same way, our spiritual enemy, the devil, has been defeated by Jesus Christ. He's been thrown down. And yet, he continues to taunt with accusations. He continues to tempt with sin. He continues to try to convince you that you're not worthy, 
And yet the truth is, is that Jesus Christ has defeated him. And Jesus Christ stands at the right hand of the Father, advocating for you, pleading your case to the Father. I've taken care of his sin. I've taken care of her sin. It's gone. It's removed as far as the east is from the west. And then the Holy Spirit that he gifts you with says, pleading the Father's case to you, you are loved. You're a child. You're a member of God's family. So that you're not taunted, tormented by your sin. It's been taken care of. See, that's the story of victory. That's the story of what Revelation 12 is talking about, that the evil one has been thrown down and you now have one who advocates for you. But this story of battle and this story of victory is not your story automatically. It becomes your story when you trust Jesus Christ. This story of battle, this story of victory becomes your story when you believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life in your place, that he died a horrendous death in your place to pay for your sin, that he rose from the dead for you, that when you believe that, this story becomes your story, a story of victory. It does not become your story by working harder. It does not become your story by trying harder. It does not become your story by performing. It does not become your story by cutting deals with God or trying to convince God that you're good or that you're good enough. It becomes your story by simply believing. This story becomes your story by simply believing. And maybe this Christmas, maybe this Christmas, this story of victory would become yours. Because for the first time, you say, Jesus, I believe. I believe what you have done for me. And I surrender and submit to you. Let's pray. Father, it's the greatest story that this world has ever heard. It's the greatest story that our hearts have ever heard, that our sin has been dealt with, that Jesus, when you were born into this world, you took on our flesh. When you hung on the cross, you paid the penalty for our sin. And when you rose from the dead, you rose to victory. And Jesus, with arms wide open, you say, come to me, believe. Father, we pray for everyone here. Maybe for those who have never really heard this story. Maybe those who have contemplated it for years. That maybe this Christmas, this Advent, this Christmas Eve might be the, the, the night, the evening, that your spirit grabs hold of the heart, draws them to yourself. Father, even as we close this service and worship, as we light candles that are a reminder that Jesus, you are the light of the world and that your birth, life, death, and resurrection has dispelled darkness first in our own hearts and one day when you return completely in our world, may we be in awe as we worship. And as we sing Silent Night, 
May we understand why we sing Silent Night, because you came, Jesus, in very humble circumstances. But as we just read, there was nothing silent about what was going on behind the scenes. As there was war raging because darkness and sin and evil was being defeated and thrown down by you, Jesus. So help us to worship in that joy and in that victory. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.